Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now's your opportunity. We were talking so much college football, I didn't get a chance to preview it as much. But this now is the segment. The lines are open right now as we speak. We cleared them, and they are open. They're ready. They're ripe. 855-212-4CBS is the number. It's college football time. It's Brian Jones, open phones. You can ask this college football expert next to me anything you want. It could be the big stories we just talked about with Notre Dame. And if you're a Longhorn fan, you're suffering with Brian, you can talk about that game. No, we don't want to talk about it. You could talk about Penn State, what they did to Michigan. Or your team, and this is my favorite part about Brian Jones, open phones, is if you've got a team you don't feel like it's enough coverage out there, Oh, the national media doesn't pay enough attention to my team. Well, now you can control the content mm-hmm. by calling us at 855-212-4CBS. That's 855-212-4227. And talking to Brian Jones, he will answer your question. He will speak to you. He will love you through the phone. So last week we had a couple of coaches on and they they both lost it was Kingsbury and it was give me the second one uh Ken Niamatololo Ken Niamatololo that's right they lost at Memphis lost again this week to UCF who's still undefeated where to go Scott Frost Niamatololo and, and 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 so we had Matt Campbell on this past week and he's of course the head coach at Iowa State and doing a wonderful job they just boat raced Texas Tech a year ago they're in aim 66 to 10 then they're going to Lava. My hometown, they went into the L.A. and beat up on Tech again. They didn't yep. post 66 on them, but still whipped their arse. Uh, so speaking of coaches on the hot seat, I mentioned Tennessee during the last segment. And, of course, Bush Jones, not a good look, losing to Alabama 45-7. I believe was the final uh, uh, there. And and then you got Kingsbury, now has lost back-to-back games. We thought that defense, and we didn't think they were. They looked like they were playing better until they weren't. Last week, the, to the come-behind win for West Virginia, and then this week Iowa State just punished Tech, uh, and Matt Campbell has turned this thing around. And at some point, you know, people are going to come calling. Maybe it's Tennessee. Maybe it's elsewhere. Maybe, you know, it, Texas Tech's, hey, man, leave Haynes come to Lubbock. I don't know if that they would he would ideally do that. But uh, at some point also, Iowa State has to say, are we going to continue to be just a stepping stone for these young coaches, or do we go out and we get a guy like a, a Houston nut, like a, maybe a Rick Neuheisel, you know, go, get one of these coaches that's not looking. Maybe an Adam Zucker. No, no, not, oh. no, 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 no. My point is this. We go out and get a coach that's not looking to go elsewhere. We get a coach who's seasoned, who's been uh, around the track a few times. He just wants to be coaching again and has been damn good at coaching. So maybe to, to stop this, this merry-go-round where we get a guy and then someone comes, plucks him from us. We get somebody who's not looking towards the future and coaching somewhere else. Does that make sense? Of course it makes sense. It does. But you also want to make sure that you have a great coach that can bring your program to where it is. That's why they went for the younger guy 
and someone who could be a coaching superstar because if you end up hiring maybe a retread you don't feel so good about just because you want him to stay and it ends up putting the program in reverse, then all of a sudden you say, well, that plan backfired, didn't oh, it? Okay, so you want to continue to have this revolving door where you go and you hire guys you, you and then they don't. use you as a stepping stone. You don't. I mean, but... if I've got a guy who's over three times SEC coach of the year, I, I'm going to feel pretty good about that. i got other guys coached at Colorado and they were good. Coached at Washington they were good. UCLA – Eh, maybe not so much. But and I'm just using those guys because those are guys I'm close to. There are others out there. You know, Les Miles comes to mind. Uh, you know, you want a guy like that. I don't even know if he'd be interested in the job. But uh, I, I, if I'm Iowa State, how do I retain a coach like Matt Campbell who's going to be hotter than Texas chili? I, I got a, a word for you, but I know it's very difficult, and it's money, and that's how you do it. But there's other places that have a hell of a lot more of it. Thank you. So it is very difficult. Yeah. So, hey, it's it's a good problem to have, as they a, say. Yeah. That cliche, good problem to have. Yep. Holding on, trying to figure out a way to hold on to the great coach. John in Blacksburg, Virginia, joins us on CBS Sports Radio. Good morning, John. Good morning, fellas. How you doing? Uh, good to talk to you. Um, great show, first-time caller. Um, listen, I had a question about uh, my Virginia Tech Hokies. Um, they're quietly a one-loss team. I know we got beat down pretty bad by Clemson. Um, we just returned the favor to UNC for all the ACC. <laughs> beat them down pretty good. But I wanted to see what Brian thought about their uh, schedule coming up because we do have Duke coming in. That's always a tough game for us. But then we have at Miami and at Georgia Tech, and that's going to be the meat of our season. I'm not forgetting UVA, but I think they're overrated. Uh, they haven't played anybody yet. Wanted to see what Brian thought our chances were against Miami and Georgia Tech on the road. Well, I'm going to start with uh, UVA because I thought Boston College would whip up on them, and they did exactly that. Uh, Virginia came into that game 5-1. and one. They're playing better for Bronco Mendenhall, but Boston College off the win versus – uh, Louisville, they kept rolling offensively and, and, and knocked off uh, UVA there at, at UVA. So a good win for Coach Steve Adazio. I think he's turning that thing around. Uh, I, I, I like Vitek and what they're doing. You're right, quietly 5-1. And, one, and, and, and now uh, they, they have to take on Duke, who's been reeling here of late. But Miami, another close win for Miami uh, versus Syracuse. Uh, they just keep having these thrillers. Uh, does Miami uh, and 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 so uh, that's going to be a tough, especially having to go down there to, to their home. They're, they're really uh, playing some good football. And this this Travis Homer, they haven't missed a thing with Mark Walton being lost for the season at running back. Homer uh, will be uh, a tough. Uh, tough uh, running back to, to handle, and I like this Malik Roger. We were remarking about his play uh, this 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 Saturday that I, I like him and his swagger a lot more than Brad that I did Brad Kaya, who's now you know looking for a gig, left early and 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 has not has not been able to stay on an NFL roster. But did, he, did but, he just get resigned? Did he get resigned? I Maybe just, he did. I'm not know. so Who sure. Knows? But, he still stinks. But uh, <laughs> he should have stayed in school. Uh, uh, but Josh Jackson, the freshman there at at, at uh, at Vitek is playing well, and they just ran all over UNC 59-7. to The defense, of course, they're always going to have a, a stout defense uh, there at, at Vitek. But the bigger ball games, uh, as, as you mentioned, Miami, Georgia Tech. Did Georgia Tech come back and win versus Pitt? I didn't see the final uh, there because they, they were – they were struggling. I don't, I don't pay attention to Pitt. I, I see. So, uh, but, uh, no, they, no, no, no. The Pitt won that. Um yeah, Pitt won that game. Pitt did win. Yeah, I think oh, so. Oh man, two in a row. Or, for... I don't know. I don't actually don't know. Okay, don't well, take we'll my check, word for we'll it. We'll check the score. 
But uh, I know that Vitek was uh, Georgia Tech was losing that ball game, but that that option is always uh, tough to deal with. Uh, Georgia so, Tech, <laughs> Georgia Tech did win. We have a, we have a, a a confirmation on that. But the Pitt, but Duke played Pitt. Duke played Pitt. So that's why it was confusing, and they did beat Duke. So I know that they won. okay. Pitt beat Duke, and right. that's who uh, UNC Georgia has Tech in. beat Wake Forest. Georgia Tech came back and beat Wake Forest. There I know they go. were losing to Wake Forest. Okay, and, and so Pitt beat Duke. We have it all straight now. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we're taking phone calls with our college football experts. <laughs> Can't figure out the right scores. Oh, it's I, you know what's hilarious well, that's about why this you're too? Help. Right, yeah, help. Right, sure. They told me to stay out of this. Um, so, um, you know what's hilarious is I got three separate videos from Duke from the guys I used to work with on that broadcast, and still at this very moment, when you're asking me about Pitt right. and Georgia Tech, I can't even come up with the right answer. Cool. Me either. Yeah. Because we didn't follow that one too closely. Well, uh, my new favorite team is out in Wisconsin, and Mark in Minnesota wants to talk about them. What's going on, Mark? Uh, not much. Thanks for taking my call. After last time, Brian told me not to call back. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say last time, Mark? <laughs> uh, I just said go pack, and you told me not to oh, call yeah. back. Oh, man. Come on. Bay. Uh, yeah, they went yesterday, um, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, they didn't, but I'm still <laughs> behind Brett Hundley. <laughs> Um, my question for you guys is, uh, you know, Wisconsin always has a really good, big, beefy offensive line, really good uh, running backs, and uh, they can never seem to get a good quarterback recruited. Um, I guess, what is it going to take for them to start recruiting better quarterbacks? Because I know that they've lost a lot of big bowl games uh, kind of because they didn't have a quarterback. And I know Horningbrook's kind of missed some wide-open receivers, and I feel like they could win some bigger games. This one I know. You got a guy who grew up about 10 miles away from me out of Sayville who is now the backup, a true freshman. I don't know his name, but he's going to be great. <laughs> so, That's my help right there. I don't know his name, but he grew up down I'm the street from me. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and Paul Chris is my buddy. He went out to Long Island to recruit yeah. him, and we had Paul Chris on the show. That kid... I'm telling you right now, that kid's going to be a, a superstar for you and then go to the NFL. Is that Sayville? Is that S-A-Y-R-E-ville? No, no, no. It's S-A-Y-V-I-L-L-E. Oh. Sayville. Sayville. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, I said we, we discussed Wisconsin off-air Saturday, and we had the same concerns as Mark as, as far as the quarterback play. Now, last year it was Hornybrook and Houston that shared uh, playing time there for, for Wisconsin. But Hornybrook, you're right, Mark, misses a lot of throws. Uh, he's not going to lead you to any championships, I don't believe, not by himself. You need that running game, which they always have. And Jonathan Taylor, the freshman running back, he just set a record, the quickest for a freshman uh, the quickest for someone to uh, get to a thousand yards. I think it's just seven games he's played, and, and so uh, he's been phenomenal. But people are going to try to shut out or, or stop your running game. That's what you're going to have to do if you're going to beat Wisconsin. But the defense has been dynamite. Even losing Cici before the season began, uh, uh, the, the defense has still been outstanding. And Jim Leonard, the first year defensive coordinator there. First time he's ever been a defensive coordinator has kept this defense rolling with Wilcox taking the gig uh, there at Cal. So uh, I, I'm with you as, as far as Hornybrook needs to play better. Uh, he leaves a lot of points and a lot of uh, completions on the field, and they need to get better play out of that position. Jack Cohn, C-O-A-N. Watch out. Jack Cohn. This guy. And he's a freshman there now. He's a true freshman. How big Last, is Jack? 
Uh, Jack's a big guy. <laughs> My bad. I'm just wondering if he has that prototypical uh, quarterback size. And give me a second. All right, take your so take your time. But uh, because... Wisconsin, you talking about it. six three? Okay. And uh, 190 pounds right. when he was recruited. Cool. So Wisconsin hadn't really had a dynamite quarterback since Russell Wilson. He's 202 pounds now. Oh, he'll add to that frame. Of course he will. But uh, th- their schedule has been great uh, this season. They are at Illinois. They just beat up on Maryland this past week. And now they're at Illinois, at Indiana. Indiana, uh, that w- that won't be an easy uh, win. And then Iowa, Michigan, and Michigan's reeling right now, and then at Minnesota. So it's set up nicely where you don't have to face Ohio State or you don't have to face Penn State out of the East. And and so you, I think everyone thinks, it, thinks it's a foregone con- conclusion that they roll into the uh, Big Ten Championship game again. Jack Cohn just gained another pound. 203. Way, 203 ah, right now, yes. Hey, yeah. It's a fluid situation here. Eight five five two one two four CBS. We're right in the midst of Brian Jones open phones as we talk some college football with you. Greg is in Cleveland on CBS Sports Radio. What's going on, Greg? Hey, fellas. Uh, good morning. I got two questions for you. First question is: When will they get rid of the preseason poll? I don't think it really does anything. They should rank them after week six. Second question is: When is Notre Dame and particularly Josh Adams going to get some love? Um, now USC, well, maybe they weren't as good as everybody thought they were. Notre Dame can't get any love. They've averaged 40-some points a game. Just wondering what you they're think. Getting, about they're getting it. love now, Greg. I'm telling you, just sniff around this week. You will right. smell the love across the country. And uh, and Adams isn't going to get any love in the Heisman unless Saquon Barkley gets hurt. So Because the guy is just, you're talking about running backs. And also, the other thing is that Notre Dame offensive line gets so much credit for that run game because they're all giant. Saquon, you feel like, does a lot of stuff on his own. No, he doesn't do it on his own. He does, he, he, with some he, of these games, when, does, when, some of these things he, that he does. When he, what's the difference between Adams and, and, and Saquon is that they move Saquon around. They utilize him in the passing game as well as, of course, at the running back position. The first play of the game, the first – Series, but they they snap it directly to him, and 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 now he has to run through the teeth of that defense. So that was about that offensive line. So and and the offensive line at Penn State has been somewhat. There've been some question marks up front. They've given up some sacks, like thirteen in their last three ball games heading into the game the other night. But they were wonderful. Uh, I thought they played probably their best game on the season. But the difference between Saquon and and, and Josh again is that they move him around. Uh, he's on the kickoff team. He's returning kicks for a touchdown, and he does it in so many different ways, the passing game and, of course, as a running back. And and Josh Adams deserves a lot of credit. He had 191 yesterday. Uh, this guy's been a, a running fool for Notre Dame since the beginning of the season. And as I said earlier, only 55 yards rushing for Notre Dame versus Georgia. And this will be another good test going up against Chubb uh, of, of NC State and that defensive front. And, and and so we'll see what he does this week. If they can run the rock like that and he can get over 100, he's going to be in the, in the uh, conversation as far as the Heisman, and, and he should be uh, the way he's been rolling this season. Down to Dallas we go to talk to Warren on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Warren? What's going on, guys? Good morning. Good morning, Warren. <laughs> hey, I want to know every year, why is there so much hype around USC and they never do anything. You know, outside this Pete Carroll little era, which they all went on probation for, 
What have you asked done since, since OJ went, really? What have they really done? Whoa, whoa, what have you asked More importantly, what's OJ been up to? Has anybody heard <laughs> from him? Explain that to me. Hey, Warren, uh, they won back-to-back titles and were fighting for a third until my Longhorns uh, went out there and, and knocked them off. So uh, that's what they've done. And you're right, that was during the Pete Carroll era. And, and yes, Reggie Bush took some money. All I do was pay the money back. He would have been fine. Folks just wanted their money back, and then Reggie had to give up his Heisman. He didn't have to. I wouldn't have given up my Heisman, but gave up his Heisman and, and got the, the, the school put on probation. Uh, what do they do? Well, I want to go back and, and finish what uh, Mark was asking, or Greg was asking about the preseason polls. I, I agree. We don't need preseason polls, but we do it because it gives us something to talk about. And, and you're right. You don't really know what a team is working with uh, and, until you get – about this point, uh, this is when you, you find out or teams you can really believe in. And uh, it, it's fool's goal for a lot of these programs up until about the fifth, sixth week, sixth week of, of the season, except for Alabama. Uh, uh, but as far as USC, the reason there was so much hype around them, look at the, the season they had a year ago. Uh, you insert Darnold. They don't lose a damn game. Uh, and, and they have that epic Rose Bowl victory versus Penn State. That's why there was so much hype around them. And and they put as many guys in the pros as any other team, uh, historically speaking. And, and, and so uh, that's why there's hype. That's a proud, iconic uh, program. And you have a quarterback playing as well as Darnold was. And the pieces coming back that they had. And they've just been hit by the injuries and haven't been able to overcome them going up against teams like a Notre Dame. Uh, so th- that's why there's so much hype around them because of the season they enjoyed a year ago and the quarterback that was re- returning. All right, coming up next, an Andrew Bogus update. Back into the NFL, the Cleveland Browns from bad to worse to all-time pathetic. Greg Giannotti, Brian Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Is there a person that you heard from after your appearance on the MLB Network you were surprised to hear from? Like, man, I haven't heard from that guy in a long time. Happened to see me or someone reached out to you. Like, wow. Good for uh, you, Andrew a, Bogus. A particular person, no. The uh, the amount of people was very nice. Yeah. A lot of Facebook messages and texts, and that was very cool. Yeah, well, you're a well-liked guy. People I hope so. That's people debatable. want to see you do well. That's debatable. No, he's definitely well-liked. Yeah. He's one of the more well-liked people here at CBS Sports mm-hmm. Radio, I would say. Well, Doesn't mostly like being the... Skinniest kid at Fet Camp. <laughs> yeah, the winning best complexion in the leper colony. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'll take what I can get. What, uh, you know, I mean, do you have an enemy here? You don't have an enemy here. Not that I know of. Hi, this is Rich Ackerman. No. I, I did. Yeah. Oh, Axe. He'd that's be on the on list Axe. of people that I'd guess. Um, Mike was my enemy last week, but that yeah, faded pretty quickly. You guys are yeah, we're cool now. Yeah, we're good now. You guys are friends. You don't have an enemy. Mm. No. I mean, there's some tension amongst anchors. The part-time guys against the full-time guys. That's not specific to me. Ho, ho, ho. Sports giant. No, Peter Schwartz, the sports giant, loves Andrew. Yeah. How's big fella doing? Great. He was here last night. Great. Doing really well. Cool. Really, really well. He was asking about you. Sweet. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, Bogish is here. great self-confidence now (laughs) because he's not getting daily berated by you. I was helping him with his efforts to lose weight. Tiffany. <laughs> so, uh, that was the, the greatest failure in our show's history. That yeah, whole thing. that one was. I think it was. It had nothing to do with you, Mike. Don't think I'm putting it on you. I just I think that that whole not being able to produce Tiffany on the air the day after the she did a Long Island Lizards mm. halftime show was probably <laughs> our greatest failure. We've had a lot of successes. 
But building that whole thing up, yeah, as much as we did, playing all the audio, that right there, my friend, your karma expert in Brian Jones, he's not just a college yeah, football it, expert. That was that was karma. There, it's oh, one thing to not to be able to get you know your heartthrob Matthew McConaughey, but Tiffany standing us. Did you up. see the way he was standing talking to the Texas basketball team? By the way, how was he standing? Very oddly. Mm-hmm. I got. I'll find the picture. Oh. He, he looked very odd. Like uh, I don't know. I'll show you the picture. Oh, okay. And while Bogus does the up. Well, and you got to mention, too, that Tiffany didn't come on and then apparently concocted a lie about True. robbery to explain yeah. her yeah. absence. Not just, Rah. oh, I didn't come on. Mm. Uh, anyway, the Atlanta Falcons tried and tried to score in New England on Sunday night football. Gabriel in motion left and right. He takes the jet sweep handoff. He's wrapped oh. up with the five. Taken down by Kyle Van Noy. Take that one. Stick it in your ear. The rest of Bob Sosie's call does not matter because of Scott Zolak. Atlanta finally got in the end zone with a 409 to go, but it didn't matter. The Pats, a 23-7 win through the fog in Foxborough. The Falcons have dropped three straight. The Bears beat the Panthers 17-3, despite Mitch Trubisky completing just four passes because... McCaffrey to his right, crowd making noise, back to throw the slit. Busted up in the air by Amukamara and intercepted by the Bears. Running down the sideline to the right side. Eddie Jackson's got the 40 of the Panthers, and he's going to go again. It is a touchdown. Touchdown, Bears. Jeff Joniak on Bears radio safety. Eddie Jackson, that 76-yard pick six. After a 75-yard fumble return touchdown earlier in the first half, he's the first defender ever with two touchdowns of that length in the same game. Chicago winning 17-3. The Bears and Panthers, two of seven teams that didn't score an offensive touchdown yesterday, the most on a single day in 16 years. The Colts shut out at home by Jacksonville, 27-0. The Cardinals blanked in London by the Rams, 33-0. The Chargers shut down the Broncos, 21-zip. And the Titans survived the Browns, four field goals to three in overtime in Cleveland. The Bucks took their third straight loss, blowing a fourth-quarter lead in Buffalo, losing 30-27. They have only one option, says head coach Dirk Cutter. It hurts when you lose. It hurts a lot. And... Uh... But no one's no one's coming to save us. I mean, we got We dug in. We got we got to dig out. Safety T.J. Ward and mm. tight end Chris Baker complaining about playing time on social media after oh. the loss. While Suns guard Eric Bledsoe tweeted yesterday, "quote I don't want to be here." Then the team fired head coach Earl Watson after an 0-3 start, which includes 48 and 42 point losses. Phoenix promoting assistant Jay Triano interim coach. He spent two plus seasons as the head man in Toronto. So is Eric Bledsoe is a good player, he's a really good player. Yeah. But is Eric Bledsoe the worst of the coach killing players out there? Because he is now a coach killer. There's no doubt about it. So tell me of like Chris Paul, he's done it. Wait, wait, Carmelo's you lose like 48, done it. 42, and he's the coach killer? Well, there's no doubt that there's, I mean, it's three games into the season. Right. If your star is saying he doesn't want to be there anymore, what can we do for you? <laughs> um, Why do you wait for three games into the season? Did he well, think it was going to work out? Maybe. Mikey B did. He was listening to Mikey B's uh, NBA analysis. I think Phoenix is actually building something for the future. <laughs> yeah. Robin, <laughs> building an opening for a new coach. <laughs> Who's the least talented coach killer in the NBA now? 
I mean, Bledsoe's a good player, but I think on the coach killer list, he might be he might be the guy. Yeah, I mean, the least impactful. At least Chris Paul's got some sway, right? To start knocking down coaches. I mean, LeBron, we don't even put him in the conversation. Right. Would you put Carmelo in there? Uh, I think so. Is but, and they're all better than Bledsoe. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, this is really the point we've gotten to in the NBA. Guys like Eric Bledsoe having that type of pull. Phoenix Suns, my God, how could you be that bad? It, I mean, it's a professional team. It's impossible. To be as bad as they've been. But anyway. All That's right. why the coach is Phoenix gone. is actually building something for the future. <laughs> and, and I think. And he was so, so forthright. Yeah. I mean. It's still time. Actually <laughs> building something for the future. He was done with such conviction. See, uh, can we give him credit, though, if the Suns turn it around? No. Do we give him credit? Because he did this analysis before the season started, right. looking at what they had. And then they change the coach, and they might have to change a bunch of other things. So I don't know if we can give him credit if they end up turning around and being okay, which they won't. And at I think this point. Josh Jackson did something <laughs> so the other day too. I think he <laughs> he like shot guns. Maybe he at the was stand. a coach killer. I, I don't did know. He? He's a fan killer. <laughs> that was the other. That was very of... subtle. <laughs> was oh, well, was it subtle? Yeah, <laughs> I'm showing the video now. It's taking, of course, a second to get. Oh, there he is. He's going off and he's shooting. Oh, and he cursed. Oh, great. Yeah, good, good. times. Whoa. Yeah, yeah that uh, little that reference was of the uh, the little lisp that Mikey B had there during his analysis. Josh Jackson. Hmm. <laughs> Jackson. I hate you now, Andrew. <laughs> Hello, enemy. Uh, on the court last night, Andrew Wiggins banked in a long three at the buzzer. Got the T Wolves a one fifteen one thirteen win. In OKC, and the Pelicans fought off the Lakers in L.A. 119-112 for their first one of the season. Lonzo Ball just 8 points, 3 of 13 shooting, but did have 13 assists. The Red Sox hiring Alex Cora as their new manager, but he will stay with the Astros as their bench coach for the World Series. And the Mets reportedly picking Cleveland pitching coach Mickey Calloway as their new manager. Guys? All right, Bogus, thanks. So the Cleveland Browns, it went from bad to worse for them. And this was one of the worst football games. It was the worst game of the day yesterday between the Titans and the Browns. And the Titans should be ashamed of themselves how poorly they played in that game. I mean, honestly, the Browns are just a complete dead corpse. And <laughs> they're cadaver. Right here, and, they, and then the Titans come in there. They can't do anything on offense. Not a damn thing. Marcus Mariota probably should have thrown for 300 yards, run for 250. No. Oh, my God. No, the defense has a, a little rep over oh. there for Cleveland. Ugh. It's the offense that's woke terrible. Uh, anyway, so then you you think, and they lose in overtime on a game-winning field goal by Ryan Suckup. The Cleveland Browns do. And you think that, okay, it's another bad loss. They can't win anything. But Hugh Jackson is, what, 1-22 in, in two years as the head coach. And you think that that's it. But no, of course, in the <laughs> course of the game, Joe Thomas leaves with probably going to be a torn triceps. He's going to be out for yeah. the rest of the year. And he was like the only bright spot on the team. Hadn't missed a game in his what, 11-year career. Right. And then Deshaun Kaiser, well, <laughs> the quarterback situation there in Cleveland, could you couldn't even try. Like, they could try to screw up and do better than what they've done by trying to be good. <laughs> so he has to get pulled in this game because he's so unbelievably bad. They put in Cody Kessler. Actually looks like he was he was competent for a minute and a half and then wasn't. But then after the game, Hugh Jackson finds out that there was a video of Deshaun Kaiser out at like 1 a.m. on a Friday that was circulating out there partying. Um, and he found out about it in the press conference. 
I mean, again, guys, personal time is personal time, but I still think that that's not what our guys do. I think our guys work at what they do. I would be surprised at that. I've never heard that. Um, I don't think Deshaun's that kind of has that kind of character or personality that way. So that is what it is. Yeah, it's not a curfew. You're right. You said it. So that's the first I've heard of it. So appreciate you guys sharing that with me. Thank you. Who's the snitch, man? Well, my coach would say, well, you were there too. What are you worried about him? Come on, quit snitching. But that's not what you want to hear about a rookie quarterback trying to find his way. That is correct. Personal life is personal life, but that raises a red flag. Like, wait a minute. And this dude, this is even more disturbing to me. Deshaun Kaiser, you've been benched. Now your name is starter again because of attrition. Now, you hold a players-only meeting, a rookie quarterback who has not done a damn thing six weeks into the season, seven weeks into the season, whatever the hell it is, you hold a players only. You? Wait, who called it me? Who did? The shot? Man, hell with that. Man, going to that meeting, the shot guy. What? Why are you calling a players only meeting? Well, maybe someone told him he needs to be more of no, a leader. I don't not know. that way. No. I think it's You're a great rookie idea. trying to find your way. You barely know how to get the facility. And you definitely don't know how to get the ball into the right color uniform. I mean, the hands of a guy in the right color uniform. Why are you calling a players-only meeting? That just shows you the dysfunction there. And this young guy, another one that should have stayed in college. Uh, he he should he was not ready to go to the NFL. And I still can't believe for the life of me how he uh, it, it decided to do this. I mean, yes, does he have the potential, which means you haven't done a damn thing, and he clearly has it. Yeah. He has it, but he regressed as a quarterback last year, and you can blame it on Brian Kelly and coordinator and all that. He regressed. Uh, but to call a players only meet you? Huh? No. Quickly, because we have Jim Leland coming up. This is Deshaun Kaiser's rebuttal to all this stuff after the game. Absolutely not. Um, you know, I, I was out and uh was was at the facility the next day you know get preparing for a game was preparing for the game right before that so um once again i'm not here to talk about my personal life and the question was did the late night out affect your play and that's what he answered mm. absolutely not no so, no he's, he's been, been playing, like, he's been playing like this all season I, I know. the answer should have been listen have you guys watched me i've sucked from the beginning i got full night's sleep <laughs> prior to these other games yeah. i sucked maybe he was trying a different approach <laughs> Jim Leland next. You're listening to Gio and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Jim, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're, we're doing uh, very well. Eh. Well, he's a Yankees eh. fan, so he's obviously ticked off, mm. but um, yeah, I don't well, care. He ought to so be very proud. They did one heck of a job. That is, oh, that see, that's uh, right. Eventually, yeah, but it's still too soon. Maybe when pitchers and catchers report. I'll, I'll feel better <laughs> then, <about it>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, Jim, isn't it weird to see the Astros and the Dodgers in the World Series? It doesn't sound right. Well, you know, I I guess some people think about that way. No, that doesn't, doesn't bother me. I think it's great. They were the two teams that played the best when they had to, and they were two teams that obviously had great regular seasons. So, uh you know, I think it's very fitting, and it should be a great series. There's a lot of lot of ability on both those teams, a lot of good young talent. Who, who's your favorite heading into this deal? I have no idea. I learned <laughs> a long time ago. When you're, in, when you're in this business, you don't make predictions because you make a fool of yourself. Nobody knows. 
you know, if I knew who was going to win, I'd probably still be managing. But <laughs> right, uh, you know, it's. A, I think it's. A, you know, I think it's got a chance to be a great series. I mean, I, I think Houston's starting pitching, um, you know, is is probably you know you don't see them much or an hour later sometimes you don't always see some of their games but um they're an hour earlier excuse me but an hour later here and and the same with the dodgers i don't i don't see them much out on the coast you know i always watch the tiger game and then you know by the time that game starts it you know it gets pretty late i fall asleep sometimes to be honest with you but the houston starting pitching is is probably better really than i that i gave it credit for originally i mean i know verlander's helped that but they're they're pretty good mccullers and Charlie Morton was great the other night. I think this has got a chance to be a great series. And uh, Charlie Morton, a guy who has had a, a long history of injury and had some tough times at Pittsburgh, has, has figured it out in a Game 7, was was amazing. Uh, now that you've seen guys like Morton and McCullers in an NLCS in those big situations, do you have any uh, concerns about them in, in the World Series and in, in similar situations being uh, prepared for those starts? Because they look like just as big, basically as good as Keuchel and Verlander were. Well, no, I don't, I don't worry about them. I mean, I think they, you know, they showed up big time the other night. And, uh, you know, Morton's actually, it appears to me, I think he's throwing the ball harder than he did when he was in Pittsburgh, to be honest with you. Yeah, his stuff is really good. He's always had good stuff. But it looked like his velocity is a little better with that movement. You know, he used to have that great, great sinker, a little, maybe a little less velocity, but his velocity's up. And, uh, I mean, he was really impressive. I mean, this is, this is really a good team. And, and, of course, so are the Dodgers. I mean, they have, so much ability. They got some really good young looking players. That Taylor kid, you know, I didn't really know much about him. He's really good looking player, exciting. He can run. It's it's, it's, it's two good teams. And, and Jim, when you look at the series, of course, uh, you've got Kershaw who will start the series for the, the Dodgers. You Darvish comes over in a trade, much like Verlander there at the end of the trade deadline, almost at the end, seconds remaining to get that deal consummated. Uh, do you still fall back on the old adage that good pitching will defeat good hitting? I do. I, I do. Uh, you know, I think that it shows up most of the time. Once in a while, you have a slugfest in the playoffs, but really not that often. And uh, I think good pitching, you know, shuts it down. Uh, you know, you don't get you normally don't get two or three hits off a good pitcher. You don't rough them up that much. You don't usually get three, four hits in an inning off good pitchers. So, uh, you know, if they're on. And, and so I think, yeah, I think that's definitely true. And, and to that end, this Altuve, this guy, I mean, to come in at 5-6 on a good day and, and to be as tough and out as he is, what would be – what advice would you give your, your pitchers uh, approaching him? Well, I think, I think you know, the funny thing about it is I think sometimes you don't want to walk him. you got career behind him, but he gets all these hits. But the thing that, the thing that gets me about him is the power. I mean, you got to keep him in the ballpark. He's not just some smaller guy that hits line drives all over the place. This guy hits the ball out of the ballpark, and he hit 26 home runs or something like that during the regular season. He's hit quite a few in the postseason. So, I mean, you got to keep him in the ballpark. He's not just a guy that, you know, that, that pesters you. I mean, even though he can get on and steal a base, I understand that. But, but he's a guy that can go out of the ballpark. So that's the thing that's, that's uh, you know, makes you a little bit nervous. I think in big situations, I think, you know, you got to be very careful with him to beat you because, you know, we know what a great talent Correa is. Uh, Correa, maybe, maybe, I should say, uh, you know, has a, a little bit more of a hole possibly than Altuve. But Altuve, it looks like he, he doesn't have any holes. It's just hard to get him out. Gio and Jones with Jim Leland across the country on CBS Sports Radio. It seems to me, but um, I'm clearly not as close to it as you have been, that 
the toughest thing about managing in this day and age in baseball is making sure that you're making the right decisions and managing that bullpen. Is that the, the toughest thing in your mind? Well, I think it's always been the toughest thing. I think, uh, you know, I think the two toughest things about managing are number one is to have your team ready to play for 162 games. That's hard. That's a, that's a hard job because they just don't feel good every day. I mean, that's just the way it is. They're no different than anybody else. But I think, you know, I think the other most important thing is handling your pitching. So, um, I don't think there's any question about that. I think sometimes when you have, you know, good starters and your bullpen's not real good, you can probably leave them in a little too long. And when your starters aren't quite that good and you have a, a better bullpen, you can probably take them out a little too quick. So you got there's a real fine line there. But I think all these managers have, you know, they've, they've been doing a good job with their bullpens and that's the reason they're there. Now, Dave Roberts, a uh, wonderful job finally getting the Dodgers back to a World Series. It's been, been a while, as you well know. What grade would you give him on the season? I know they had that little swoon there at the end of the season, but they righted themselves and they made quick work of everyone they faced in the postseason. Well, I think, you know, I think these guys, both these guys going into the World Series obviously have done a heck of a job. And I think, I think both of them are really good, you know, obviously during the game, but I think, one of the big things for those guys is they, they they get their players to play. They got they got good good people skills and they know how to handle people and they get those players to perform. And obviously he's done a tremendous job. Like I said, out on the West Coast, I don't see them as much to be honest with you. But I read a lot about what people say about them and what the players say and everything. And it looks like you know he's one of those guys that uh, you know players love to play for. You know he he keeps them going. And uh, I think AJ Hinch has done the same thing. Give us some insight as far as your approach when managing all those different personalities. Now, you were you were a fiery guy, if I recall correctly. Uh, so, were you that way with every guy? You had to pick who you could you could uh, poke and prod at certain times. Yeah, well, you know that's that's the one thing I think. You know, I always tried to take it like my first responsibility really was to to learn what makes your player tick. And, you know, what makes one player tick may not work for another player. So you got to be careful. <clears throat> and you got to find out, you know, who you, if you need to touch up a little bit, you can touch them up. Some other guy, maybe you got to be a little more careful with that. But you've got to still figure out how to send your message and get the results. So I think it's, uh, like I said, I think a lot of it's people skills and making them understand what's at stake and how important it is and, you know, how much a part of the team they are. And I think you you got to make everybody feel part of the team. I think that's important. So it's, it's a big job. It, it's a harder job today, probably with all the Twitter and social media, than it was uh, probably up until toward the end of my career. I mean, it was it started to feel pretty good. But this is really a tough job. I mean, everything is critiqued. And, you know, you have the MLB Network 24 hours a day, which has been great for baseball. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, they're tweaked stuff a little bit more. So it's it's a little bit different. Gio and Jones with Jim Leland. Why do you think it didn't work out with Brad Osmus in Detroit? Well, I just think that sometimes, you know, people just, you never really understand why people hire a manager or necessarily why they fire a manager. And it just felt like, uh, you know, in the Detroit situations, uh, obviously they're, they're cutting back some payroll. Uh, they're getting a, a little more of a, a sensible fiscal responsibility. And uh, I just think that they were, they're kind of starting over, so to speak. Uh, and they just felt like uh, they they wanted to start fresh. I guess I don't know. I thought Brad did a good job. I think he's a very good manager. It got better every year. And uh, you know, like I said, you never really understand 
why certain teams or any team picks their managers. I mean, the general manager told me that years ago. You never really know why a certain guy is selected for a team. It looks like there might be four or five candidates that might all be pretty much the same, but, you know, they select one that they think uh, suits their team the best. Do you think Dusty Baker got a fair shake? Does he get too much of the blame and not enough of the credit? Well, I will say this. It is very difficult for me to understand. I'm not going to stick my nose in anybody else's business, obviously. But it is difficult for me to understand um, when a manager wins 95, 97 games and two division titles in a row. It's hard for me to understand that he doesn't have a job. If you still were in the the mix and, and, and wanted to, to manage, would you look at that national situation and say, well, they don't hang on to a guy for more than two or three years, and it doesn't matter what you do in the damn regular season, you're going to end up getting fired if you don't win a World Series and maybe want to look elsewhere to another place that might want to hire you before going there to take that job? No, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't really, you know, like I said, I don't stick my nose in other people's business. Uh, I don't really know why that's happened. I, I mean, it is. It is a fact. This is not uh, criticism, anybody, but it is a fact that they've had several managers in not too long a period of time. So, I mean, I don't really know why that is, and it's really none of my business. <laughs> uh, back to the Tigers for a second. What do you think about replacing Osmus with Gardenhire? Well, I think Ron Gardenhire is a terrific manager. There's no question about that. I think he's he's another guy. He's got great people skills. He's seen it all. He's had the good teams over there in Minnesota where he won. He's had the rebuilding teams where you're going to suffer some pain. Uh, your personal record is going to suffer, obviously. But this guy is, I always thought he was one of the top managers uh, without questions. I think he's going to be a perfect fit in Detroit. He's a blue-collar guy. I think the fans are really going to take to him. Um, and I think he'll do a great job. I think I think it was an excellent hire. What do you know about the Mets' new manager? Because uh, not a lot of people, the pitching coach for the Indians, Mickey Callahan, do you know a lot about him and, and going from pitching coach to the Indians to uh, to New York and being the manager? Uh, I don't know. Did they announce? Is, is, is Mick, did Mick get the yeah. job? I, I don't know. Mickey Calloway. I'm sorry, Mickey Calloway. My my fault. Mickey Calloway. Yes, yeah. he did well, get it. You know what? I, I only know him as uh, you know as an opponent that uh, you know uh, you know across the field, and uh, obviously he's done a great job with the pitching. Over there, uh, he obviously must have those people skills that, that people look for because uh, he made a t- tremendous impression, evidently, on the Mets. So, uh, you know, he's a young guy that's getting an opportunity, and, and that's always exciting. Jim, thanks for the time this morning. Love talking to you. We appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Jim Leland, former MLB manager, a, uh, a legend. It's not yeah. the last time we're going to do that Callahan thing. I don't know why. <laughs> Callaway, Callahan. I'm going to do it a lot. Because Callaway. I can't, get, can't get it right. Uh, interesting what he said about Dusty and the Nationals, though. You, you you win there, and yet they don't hang on to you. I know they, they haven't been able to, to win a, a playoff series, but you, you win two division titles, and you blame it all on the manager? Uh, don't you have to blame some of it on the players? Yeah, I, this is their M.O. over there. I know. And you it's... look at the Braves back in the day, and Bobby Cox, all those division titles they won, it was like a decade of titles and only one World Series. I mean, they lost in that in that uh, deciding game. They lost what nine to eight. I mean, it's, it's yeah. not like the team folded up right. and quit. Yeah. And they had Max Scherzer, who was banged up. I mean, the guy, he, you know, he had a hamstring problem. If he's one hundred percent, maybe he goes a different way. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Screw the Nationals. Right? Yeah, blame it on Callahan.
All right, coming up next, <laughs> Callahan. Callahan Auto. <laughs> it's Gio and Jones are going to talk some NFL on CBS Sports Radio. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.